Acts chapter number 7 this morning. Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7. And uh, I'm going to give you what the Lord's put on our heart this morning. And I want to tell y'all, thank y'all for doing something for her birthday. I appreciate that. And uh, that's that's more, if it can be said, that's more of a blessing for me, really probably than it is to her, is because you know how it goes. If you want to be a, if you want to be a blessing to a preacher, just be a blessing to his family. And you want to be a hindrance to a preacher, be a hindrance to his family. Amen. And uh, it does my heart good when we tell our kids that we're going to church, and they say something like this, brother Benny. And they'll say. Uh, they, they asked, they said, are we going to our church or are we going to another church? Because, you know, as a preacher, we go to revival meetings. We'll go to other churches when they're having a special meeting. And they'll say, are we going to Mimi's church? And we'll say, no, we're going to our church. She's, and they'll say, oh, I'm glad because I love our church. And uh, that does my heart good. And because I know, a lot of, I know a lot of preacher's kids who can't stand church. And I don't ever want them to get an attitude where they don't like church. Amen. And uh, listen, friend, if we come to church because of people, we're coming to church for the wrong reason. Amen. Can I say to you, there's never been anybody that's ever been more hurt by the church than Jesus. And He still shows up. Well, I thought I'd have somebody say amen to that. Amen. I'm going to back up and give you a chance to redeem because that's good enough to say it a second time. There ain't never been nobody, Brother Martin, more hurt at church than Jesus. But yet He still shows up. You know why? You know why? Because He loves us. Thank God for that. But thank God that's just who He is. And uh, this morning, friend, don't let what people do to you stop you from doing what you know you ought to do. Amen? Because there's always going to be people that are always going to have something to say. There's always going to be people that are going to do something. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're also going to persecute you. And uh, child of God, hear me, hear me well this morning. If you're going to get through this life being a Christian, you hear me? I ain't talking about just being somebody that just goes along and gets along. But if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to walk according to this Bible, you're going to face some hard times. Amen? And uh, but this morning, that's really where I want to preach at. I want to look at Acts chapter number 7 this morning. Acts chapter number 7. And uh, I want to look at a life of a man uh, that somewhat we may be familiar with. A man by the name of Stephen. Uh, Stephen was one of the early church deacons. If you go back and study the life of Stephen, I'll be honest with you, just in just a short study that I've done this week in his life, I'll be honest with you. I believe outside, of course, of the Lord Jesus and also the Apostle Paul, I don't believe outside of Paul and Jesus in the New Testament, I don't believe we'll find any greater Christian than that of Stephen. For when you begin to study the life of Stephen, you'll find that he was a man that no doubt was in touch with God. No doubt he was a man, we're going to read this morning, was a man that was greatly used by God. If there's anything that we need in this hour, it's that we need men that are being used by God. Amen. It's that we have God's children that have got a heart to want to do something for God. 
And so I want to look at Acts chapter number 7. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. There's 60 verses and I, I don't want to, I want to zero in just on several of them. But if you go home when you get a chance and you begin to read the book of Acts, you'll start out in verse number 1 and you'll find that Stephen begins to preach a message. When you go to read those verses down, you'll find that he starts out preaching a historical message in the sense that he starts talking about all of those things that happened in the Old Testament. He talks about Joseph. He talks about Abraham. He talks about those Old Testament patriarchs in his longest uh, Stephen was preaching about historical things. People really didn't have a problem with him. He went on to preaching from the historical things. And then all of a sudden, he went to preaching about heavenly things. And he started talking about how, um, that, this, the, how God and how that God's upon the throne and how that oh, God is better than those that have come and that there's no one better than God. And, and so he starts preaching about heavenly things. And, and can I say to you this morning, people don't have a real bad problem when you start preaching about historical things. They don't really have a problem when you preach about necessarily about heavenly things because let's all say this, it seems like that everybody don't mind believing in a heaven. But hear me, hear me well. They don't like believing in a hell. Everybody likes to believe there's something greater. Uh, but nobody likes to believe that there's a hell. But I hope I can get an amen this morning. Uh, that friend, just as much as there's a heaven, there is a hell. And just as much as there's a heaven to gain, uh, there is a hell to shun. And just as much as when a child of God dies, uh, thank God they'll go to that place called heaven. Uh, there is also when a child, when a person dies of sloth, uh, they will go to an eternal lake of fire. And that's a place that's called hell. And so we find that they didn't have a problem when he started preaching historically. When he talked about what used to be. They didn't have a problem when he started preaching about heavenly things. But then all of a sudden, we're going to begin reading in verse 51, he starts preaching about heart things. And look what happens when, when, when Stephen's message changes from talking about them that used to be, now to talking about them that are right now, business is about to pick up. Look what it says in verse number one or 51 of Acts chapter number 7. He says this, Ye stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and in ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. I don't know about y'all, but that's a pretty stern message, is it not? I mean, Stephen goes from talking about Abraham and talking about God. Now he looks at him, Brother Benny, and this is what he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart and of ears. You've always resisted the Holy Ghost. See, he ain't talking about what used to be, but now he's looking at them, if I can say it like this, in their eyeballs. And he's saying, you stiff-necked, you uncircumcised. He said, you've always resisted the Holy Ghost. I don't know about y'all, but it don't get no more personal than that. And so he looks at them and tells them, and then we find verse 52, he said, which of the prophets have, you, have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them with, a, with a, and have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been nailed the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it. When they heard these things, listen now, when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. Verse 55, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, Looked up, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open 
and the Son of Man standing at, uh, on the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And when witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said these things, he fell asleep. You see, when Stephen was preaching about what used to be, they didn't have a problem. When Stephen started preaching about heavenly things, they didn't have a problem. But when he starts dealing with the sin that was prevalent in their hearts, not in their father's hearts, not in the generation before in his heart, but when he started dealing with the sin of that day, they got upset. When he started saying, it's not that your fathers know they did it's not your great-grandfather or your great-great-great-grandfather. He said, but I'm talking about you. He said, you have, he said, you have always resisted the Holy Ghost. You know what happened? The Bible said they began to gnash on him with their teeth. I don't know about y'all, but it don't seem to get more brutal than that. They began to gnash on him with their teeth. It seemed like this. I said like this. That puts a whole new perspective on when somebody says that's backbiter. Amen. Let me say this. When they talk about this, they said they gnashed on him with their teeth. But then it goes on to leads it reach a little further. And it said that they stopped their ears. If you've ever preached the amount of time at all, you preach that Bible, you're going to find there's going to be people that are going to stop their ears. I kind of picture, picture this in my mind, Brother Josh, that maybe they stuck their ears their hand in their ears and said, I hear what you listen. I, I see your mouth moving. Oh, but I'm not going to listen to what you say. And maybe they stopped their ears and they didn't want to hear what the man of God was saying. Let me just say this. That might have been the case in Stephen's day, but that hadn't stopped in this day. There are still people that don't want to hear what the preacher has to say. And they still don't want to hear what that Bible has to say. As long as you're prophesying good things unto them, as long as you're talking about good things that happen to them, I better listen to you. I mean, when you start talking about things that this Bible calls sin, when you tell them that adultery is wrong, or when you tell them fornication is wrong, or when you tell them adultery is wrong, when you tell them lying is wrong, or when you tell them drinking is wrong, they don't want to hear what you've got to say. You know what they'll do? They'll stop their ears. But then it goes on and says this, that on they stop their ears, in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 57, they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord. They begin to stomp him with their feet in one accord. One accord, Brother Terry, they all begin to run over. Imagine they're stomping on the man of God. They're fighting on the man of God. They're screaming at the man of God. They're not listening to what the preacher has to say. Let me find it. Then it says this, they drug him out of town, cast him out of the city, verse 58, and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. I'll be honest with you. That's real bad. Brother Ray, I'm going somewhere. Y'all stay with me. I don't know about y'all, but when I think about what they're doing to this man, I mean they've stopped their ears. They've ran upon him and will accord. They've yelled at him. They've, they've bitten him. They've drug him out of town. They've stoned him. I don't know about y'all, but if 
If I was to look at the life of Stephen and read when the Bible said, Stephen says, I quit. I don't want nothing else to do with this crowd. I'm resigning. I'm leaving. I ain't coming back here no more. I don't know about y'all, but I don't think I'd be up too upset with him. But what I find within these verses is something that caught my attention that I'll be honest with you that I did not expect to read. And it's found when look what Stephen did after what they did to him. Let me say this this morning. That you can't stop people's actions. You can't handle what people will do to you. But hear me and hear me well. You can handle how you react. And look how what we see what they did to him. But let's look at what Stephen did to them. Look what the Bible says. After they had stoned him. Verse 60 reads this. And he kneeled down. That caught my attention. Because you know what I would have thought that verse would have said? And he was not down. He fell down. But you know what it says? The Bible says that he wasn't knocked down, but that he kneeled down. You see, when I read this, I would have not had a hard time reading and finding that after all this had happened to Stephen, that he would have been knocked down. But rather what I find is is he kneeled down. You see, there is a big difference between being knocked down and kneeling down. You say, preacher, what's the difference between being knocked down and kneeling down? I'm so glad you asked. Can I say to you this morning, the difference between knocked down and kneeling down, I wrote some things down. Listen to this. Being knocked down is accidental. That's accidental. But kneeling down is intentional. Let me say this. If you're knocked down, it might be done by an accident. Oh, we know this text right here. We find that they weren't doing this accidentally. They were doing this on purpose. But I'm talking about not what was done to him, but I'm talking about how he responded to what was being done to him. See, when people do you wrong, you've got a choice. You can either be knocked down or you can kneel down. And you know what we find? If you're going to kneel down, you're not going to kneel down by accident. But if you're going to kneel down, you're going to kneel down on purpose. Listen to this, the difference between being knocked down and kneeled down, not only accident or intention, I wrote this down. Being knocked down magnifies that that's without. Other words, when you get knocked down, you know what you're saying? By your actions, that what I just faced is greater than me. Now, you ever, you ever see when the wind blows something? If it's got a good firm foundation, it won't be blown down. Up if the wind begins to blow something and it moves it from its location, you know what you find? That wind was stronger than what it was blowing up against. Uh, but if you see something that withstands the wind, if you see something that when the wind blows, uh, it don't get blown around, you know what you find? You find that thing has something that's stronger than the wind. You see, when you're knocked down, that magnifies that without. But listen, child God, when you kneel down, that magnifies that what you have within is greater than that which is without. Now realize this morning, if you're saved, you got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. And can I say to you this morning, that's the reason why. Other when the world comes against the child of God, they're not cast to and fro in this world. Other they're like a tree that's planted by the waters. They're a child of God that stays firm. They stay consistent. You know why? Because they've got something that's greater on the inside than that which is coming against them. 
But you find somebody in this world and they sing. And they go through tragedy. They go through the same storm. They go through the same heartache. But a child of God will get closer to God. When you find a lost person, they'll resort to alcohol. They'll resort to the things of this world. You know why? Because one has peace in the storm. And one don't have peace in the storm. You see the difference between being knocked down and kneeling down. Knocked down is by feelings. Kneeling down is by faith. Knocked down reveals a fleshly weakness. But kneeling down reveals spiritual strength. Can I say this? Being knocked down is to be defeated. But kneeling down is to be devoted. Knocked down means that the circumstances controlled you. Listen now, but kneeling down shows that Christ controls you. You see, had we read that Stephen was knocked down, you know what we would have said? I don't blame him. Had I had that done to me, I probably would have knocked down too. I probably would have fell down too. I probably would have got out too. But you know what we read? While they're sowing him, while they're coming against him, you know what we see? Picture my mind, you know what kneeling is, don't you? It's one that willingly, he bows the knee and he kneels down. See, that wasn't done by accident. But he did that on purpose. You see, child of God, you're going to have things that are going to come against you that's going to desire to knock you out. Right. You've got a choice. When those things come against you, you can either let them knock you out or you can allow them to drive you to your knees. Let me ask you this morning, when's the last time you went through something that you didn't let it knock you out, but you let it drive you to the feet of Jesus? How many times is it that when we go through things that we allow Satan to drive a wedge uh, between us and God. But child of God, listen to me this morning. A temptation is that which Satan brings to listen to bring out the worst in you. But trials are things that God allows to bring out the best in you. Say that one more time. Temptation? You realize there's a difference between temptation and trials. Can I say this to be knocked down is to give it a temptation. But to kneel down is allow trials to work in your life. See, temptation is Satan's desire to bring out the worst in you. Whereas trials is God's want to bring out the best in you. You realize this morning, knockdown is what's happening to a lot of people. But kneeling down is hard to find. You know why? Because knockdown, that's a fleshly instinct. But kneeling down is a spiritual instinct. Knockdown, I can say it again, Reveals that you're being controlled by the flesh. But kneeling down realize that you're allowing faith to determine what you're going to do. See, Stephen here, when he had something that come against him, he didn't get knocked down, but rather he knelt down. Preacher, how is how how can I, when these things come against me, how can I keep from being knocked down, but rather to kneel down? You see, I'm going to say it again, Stephen! Was it knocked out? But Stephen knelt down. How do we, how do we keep from getting knocked out? How do we, how when these things come against us that instead of being knocked down, we kneel down? I want to show you three or four things of what Stephen did that helped him from not being knocked down, but to rather kneel down. First of all, I noticed the instigation behind Stephen 
kneeling down. There was a reason why Stephen knelt rather than being knocked down. You see, Stephen could have been knocked down, but rather he knelt down. What was the reason behind him kneeling? What was the motivating factor that he chose to kneel down rather than being knocked down? Look what the Bible says. In verse number, look with me at verse number 54. Listen to this. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. You say, Brother Paul, how do you see that verse right there talking about what instigated Stephen doing what was right? Can I say to you the reason why uh, that Stephen had those people come against him? Hear me now. It wasn't that he was doing something wrong, but rather it was showing us that he was doing something right. You see, him being stoned wasn't because he did something wrong. But him having those people come against him reveals to you and I that he was doing something that was right. Can I remind you, friend, that just because you do what's right doesn't mean you're going to be resented for problems. It don't mean you're going to be resented for persecution. But quite the contrary, I've already said it. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Can I tell you, sometimes doing the right thing can have people come against you. Y'all going to help me preach this morning or are you just going to stare at me like a cat staring at a new gate? You doing what's right sometimes won't have people stand up for you but will cause people to stand against you. You doing what's right on the job doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be the most popular person on the job. But when you do what's right and you choose to go against what they're wanting to do they'll come against you. St. Stephen had the temptation to be knocked down, not because he was doing something wrong, but rather because he was standing up for what's right. You see, when Stephen started talking about what they were doing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, y'all do realize that this is pinned down in our Bible because God wanted us to know about it. And what we find in this is when Stephen stands up, he's telling them they're doing something wrong. And you know what they say? Oh, I can see old Stephen. He ain't nothing but a fuddy daddy. I mean, he thinks he's better than everybody. I mean, look at him. He thinks just because uh, uh, he ain't sitting there, he ain't circumcised the heart. He thinks he's better than we are. Oh, no, friend. It was just that he was being obedient to God and doing what God told him to do. And that's what this world has a problem with. They don't mind when you're going along to get along. They don't mind when you're bowing down to their pleasure. Oh, but when you stand up, tell them that Bible says they've got a problem of dealing with what the Bible says. That's the reason why we've got a lot of so-called preachers that ain't nothing but storytellers. And they don't preach that Bible. I want y'all to hear me here. I don't care how well a man can tell a story. I want a man to tell me the Bible. You know why? Because I'm basing my eternal life on that book. I'm basing, listen, I'm basing my kids on that book. I've got a marriage based on that book. I'm pastoring the church because of that book. I don't want some preacher to get up and tell me what I want to hear. I want a man of God to get up and tell me what I need to hear. Amen, Sometimes I need a preacher to step on my toes. Amen. Let me say this. You know what the reason why that I think sometimes that I, I can remember there's been times after the years that there I've been sitting on a pew and let's just say this, I had a bad attitude toward my wife. Come on, come on. Man, nod your head like this. You know what it's like to have a bad attitude towards your wife. If you're brave enough to say amen, say, if you won't say amen, I guarantee your wife will say amen. <laughs> and, I, and for me to say this, I ain't always spiritual. 
Look how Paul wants to do what Paul wants to do. But can I tell you one of the things I found out to have a key to a good marriage? And put her before me. Say, hey, better old man, you know what's right. You know what the Bible talks about? I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's what the Bible talks about. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Minister this. Who did Christ put before himself? Church. If we're love our wives as Christ loved the church, you know what that means? We might put her before us. I see the reason why there's a lot of marriages. I'm glad y'all know y'all coming from the marriage advice, did you? Amen. You know the reason why there's marriages that are, that are ending in divorce? It's because they don't want to put somebody else before themselves. But let me just say this, husband. If you're going to have a happy marriage, you're going to have to put that one before you rather than you. Amen. But you know what we find here? We find here, see, Stephen was doing what was right. There's been times where I haven't done what was right. And I was the one that was wrong. And you know what I do? I go into a preacher. I go into here a preacher preach. And this is what this is what I think to myself. I want him to agree with me that I'm right. I want him to tell me that I'm right. But you know what he didn't do? He get up and preach. He he looked at me in my eyeballs, and I didn't know what the world was going on. I thought somebody had talked to this. I think to myself, you know what, man, my wife must have talked to the preacher because he's he's plowing my corn patch. But it wasn't that he was talking to the preacher. He was just God was talking to him about me. There is a difference. Somebody say amen. But you know what I find out? He goes in and he starts preaching. He talks about being full of pride. He talks about being full of envious. He talks about being full of jealousy. And before he gets done preaching that, I've been plowed up my road. I mean, I've done God convicted. I mean, I pile up in that altar. And you know what I do when I get out of church? I go to my wife and I'd say, I'm sorry. I've had a bad attitude towards you. And you know what that would do? That would help my marriage. Rather than some preacher getting up and telling me what I wanted to hear and telling me what I thought I needed to hear, but thank God I've been around some men of God that were full of the Holy Ghost that didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, but they told me what I needed to hear. You know the reason why there's so much division in churches? Because preachers are preaching what people want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Amen. We need to hear that discord will destroy the church. We need to hear that sin will destroy the church. We need to hear that there are things out there in this world that the church ought not have nothing to do with. Not because we think we're better, but because we got something that's better. Amen, bro. You know the reason why the persecution was coming against Stephen? Not because he was doing something wrong, but rather because he was doing something right. Y'all didn't realize I know the health and wealth and prosperity crowd will tell you that if you're doing right, nothing's going to come against you. The hogwash on that, that ain't what that King James Bible says. I preached it last week. Job was an upright man, one that shoot with evil. And you know what you found out? Tragedy struck his household. Tragedy struck his finances. Tragedy come against him. Not because he was doing something wrong, but rather because he was doing something right. Just because you're going through, listen, through something don't mean you're out of the will of God. Somebody help me this morning. Sure does help you. And get on your knees and say, God, am I going through this because I did something wrong? And have the Holy Ghost say, No, son, you're in this because this is where you need to be. Well, do realize we do face consequences for our choices. But when I have the Holy Ghost, I get down and say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that's got me where I'm at right now, I want you to forgive me of it. And have the Holy Ghost say, Son, everything's right between me and you. You're at this place because this is where you need to be at. I don't know about y'all, but that'll put, some, that'll put some gas in your boat. Amen? That'll help you get up and go on. You know why? Because you know you're not in what you're in because you did something wrong. But you're in what you're in because it's the perfect will of God. 
You see, the instigation behind Stephen kneeling down was he was doing what was right. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you doing what's right? Are you doing what's right? Y'all do realize this morning, it's still right to do right. It's always right to do right. What old Bob Jones said, he said this one time, he said, do right, do right until the stars fall. And when the stars fall, still do what's right. If it's right to do it during the day, it's still right to do it at night. Come on now, you don't say amen, I'm going to preach this morning. It's still right to do it regardless of the world. So, listen, it don't matter if the world legalizes sin. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's still wrong. It don't matter if the world says it's okay to do it. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it don't matter who says it's wrong. It's right. Amen. Listen to what 1 Peter says. I want you all to see this. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Listen to this. 1 Peter 3. Peter says this. Listen. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, nor neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of hope that is within you, meekness and fear. Having a good conscience. You know what that means? When you're going through the storm, you know that you're not there because of your own doing, but you're there because it's the perfect will of God. Can I say to you, I thank God there's been times I've laid my head on my pillow at night and have things in my life that were coming against me. And I was able to sleep peacefully because I know I was in those things because I was doing right, rather than being in those things because I was doing wrong. I had a good conscience. Does anybody know what it's like to have a good conscience this morning? We find he goes on to read talking about having a good conscience. Listen now. He says, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as an evildoer, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse, listen now, your good conversation of Christ. You know what Simon Peter was saying? He said when they come against you and they falsely accuse you, that they be convicted because what they're saying about you isn't true. Let me just say this. We need some Christians. That when those on the job falsely accuse you, that your reputation speaks highly of more than what they're saying against you. That's right. Let me say this. You know the reason why and we don't want somebody to ask somebody else about us is because we're scared that what they'll tell them might be true. Let me ask you this. Would it bother you if somebody went on the job site and said, hey, he goes down there to Mount Perrin. How does he act on the job? I heard about it today. Somebody was talking about somebody. This one said, they said, man, he acts like he hates life. He's always in a bad mood. He's always chewing people out. Not nobody here. Don't get, no, don't get worried. They <laughs> said, man, if he's a Christian, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. He says, so when they say this, hey, I saw Brother B down there at the, at the Papa's Pizza. That's not the Papa's Pizza. Amen. <laughs> And he said, you know what? He was bragging about the goodness of God. He was talking about how good it was to be saved. You know what that do? I say, hey, man, pray to God. Hallelujah. He goes to Mount Mary Baptist Church. Amen. <laughs> Rather than say, man, you know, be him. Man, over here today, man, he was chewing somebody out. I mean, buddy, he was letting them have it just because they put olives on his pizza and he didn't want no olives. <laughs> Let me just say this. 
Why not the next time that you choose somebody out at a restaurant because they gave you unsweet tea rather than giving you sweet tea? Why don't you get done chewing them out? Why don't you invite them to church and see how well that goes? Let me say this. If you're doing something, after you're done doing it, you can't invite that person to church, you probably shouldn't be doing it. After you say it, if you can't witness to them about the Lord, you probably shouldn't say it. Amen. Don't look at me like y'all like I'm crazy this morning. I'm still preaching a book. It's still right to talk right. Amen. It's still right to do right. Oh, what are we going to do? You know what we're real good at doing? We're real good at saying, I don't understand why they don't ever come to church. I don't understand why I've invited them for years. I don't understand why they don't come. I understand there's been people I've invited that don't come because they don't want to come. But I want the reason why they don't come is because they don't want to come rather than say, you know what? I don't want to have nothing to do with what he's got because he don't want to look like he wants anything to do with what he's got. And I want to be real with them out there or if I'm in here, I want people to hear about me. Not to glorify me, but rather glorify Christ. And being honest, listen, you all know when your name's brought up, nobody ought to have to hang their head down. No reason why I'm so quiet this morning. Might be because God's bringing your phone. Amen. Or maybe you're just ready to go eat. I don't know. Maybe one of the two. Amen. <laughs> you know the reason why Stephen was doing right? You know the reason why he was being? Because he was doing right. Listen to this. You know the other reason why? He knelt down. This is a big one right here. You know the other reason why he knelt down? Look what verse 56 says. No reason why he knelt down rather than no reason why he knelt down rather than being knocked down. Listen to what it says. Verse number fifty or verse number fifty-five. And he being full of the Holy Ghost. That's right. And he being full of what? The Holy Ghost. Can I just say to you the reason why he could kneel down rather than being knocked down? Well, because he was full of the Holy Ghost. You know the reason why we got a lot of people when things come against them and people say something against them? You know the reason why they get knocked down? It's because they're not full of the Spirit, but rather they're full of self. And hear me and hear me well. If you're full of self, you can't be full of self and be full of the Spirit all at the same time. Amen. You know what we need to, you know what we need to people do this morning? Just get empty before God. And say, God, whatever's keeping me from being full of the Spirit, get it out of me. If it's my bad attitude, get it out of me. If it's my wrongdoing, let me know and I'll make it right. If it's, if it's my, if there's some sin that's keeping me from being full of the Spirit, let me know. Because I'm going to beg y'all. But we're living in a day and hour where those demons being released out upon this generation. I don't know if there's, listen, we're going through things that people before us never had to face. And I'm going to tell you what, we're going through something we never had to go through. And we better have something we ain't never had before. You know how we're going to keep from getting knocked out? We better be full of the Spirit. We better be full of the Spirit. Let me ask you this. Are you full of self or are you full of the Spirit? You know the reason why Stephen was able to kneel down? Because he was full of God. Y'all didn't realize that the Bible still says, be not drunk wine. Where is it says, but be you filled with the Spirit. Listen, I'm a Baptist preacher from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, but hear me, hear me well. If you're looking at a Baptist preacher that believes Christians ought to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. We need people that are rather moved by the Spirit of God rather than be being moved by self. You know how about John talked about how they know the children of God? He said this, if you're led by the Spirit, they shall know you're the sons of God. Led by the Spirit. 
When's the last time you were led by the Spirit? When's the last time the Holy Ghost told you to do something? When's the last time I teach you how I can remember? I was coming down 46 one day. And this is my shame. Lord, it's my witness. I, I, I'm going to preach to myself for a second. I was going down the road. And there was a man that was sitting on the bridge. And I kid you not, I passed him as I was going down the road. And I was, as much as I'm living and breathing right now, the Holy Ghost told me to turn around and go back and witness to him. You know what I didn't do? I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I kept driving down the road. This is when I had somewhere I needed to be. And Brother Terry, as I was driving down the road, my heart was grieved because I knew the Holy Ghost had told me to do something and I didn't obey him. You know what? I may never see that man again. And I'll tell you this, there's one day I prayed up there at the church. And I, y'all call me crazy, call me wherever you want to. I don't really care. I know what the Lord told me. Holy Ghost told me to get up and go to Family Dollar right there across from the church and hand out tracts. You know what I did? I got up because I done, I done failed the Lord that one time. I didn't want to do it again. You know what I did? I went to Family Dollar and started passing out tracts. Started inviting people to church. Said, anybody come? Nope. I sure didn't feel good about it because I do all obey God. That's right. You know what? You don't do the right thing so people will do the right thing. You do the right thing because it's right to do the right thing. Right. When's the last time the Spirit of God told you to do something? When's the last time the Spirit of God told you to go pray for somebody? When's the last time the Spirit of God told you to be a blessing to somebody? When's the last time the Spirit of God told you, hey, why not turn the TV off and go read your Bible? Many are led by the Spirit. They shall know they're the sons of God. I wouldn't give you two cents for salvation where the Holy Ghost never led me to do something. Let me just say this, the Holy Ghost will never lead you to do something that's contrary to that Bible. That's right. I heard a lady one time, she said, hey, 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 the, 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 the Holy Ghost has led me to go steal that man, that woman's husband from her. I said, the Spirit of God said, yeah, you do that. Well, yeah, he did. I don't know if he did in a while because that Bible says that I shall not commit adultery. Somebody say amen right there. The Spirit of God will never tell you to do anything that's contrary to that book. But when's the last time the Spirit of God tells you to stand up and testify? When's the last time you raised your hand because the Spirit of God told you to? Come on now, amen. You know what I'm telling you, right? You know the reason why Stephen was able to kneel down? He was full of the Holy Ghost. Maybe the reason why we're always getting knocked down rather than kneeling down is because we're not full of God. We'd rather we're full of self. There was a reason why he knelt down. He was doing what was right. The motivating for kneeling down was he was filled with the Spirit. Listen to this. He knelt down. There was an insight. You notice what verse number 56 there, or verse number 55. He being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. You know what? When he was full of the Spirit, he saw things other people didn't see. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you saw something other people wasn't seeing? And then you know what? 57 goes on and said this, and he said, you know the reason why we don't have people speaking up? Because they ain't seeing nothing. He saw in verse 55, and he said in verse 56. See, what did he see? He saw the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. That's what the Bible said. He saw. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He saw something other people weren't seeing. Well, listen to me now. You know where she find? After he saw it, he started talking about it. That's right. You know the reason why people ain't talking about it? Because they don't see it. Amen. I, listen, I've been the pastor here long enough. Been here going on three years. Some of y'all think it's been longer than that. And Brother Keith, 
We've been in some services where you needed a CNI dog to be able to see. It gets so foggy here. People wiping tears from their eyes. People worshiping God. People praising God. People testifying. And I praise God for it. And then you know what? You'll see somebody over there popping bubble gum, picking their fingernails, bouncing their checkbook, ready to get out of church, yawning and falling asleep. And you're saying, how is it that three quarters of the church can be worshiping God and somebody go about taking care of us? You know why? Because they don't see what everybody else sees. You said, you all not judge. I'm stating facts, man. Amen. But you know what? I'm glad when the Spirit of God gets a movement in the service, I don't get scared. When the Spirit of God starts, you know what? I like to magnify it. So I don't want to be a wet blanket. When somebody starts bragging on Jesus, I want to be somebody pouring gas on the fire. Listen, friend, the deadest place that ought not be the deadest place is the house of God. But I believe if we get more people that are full of God, listen, our worship services wouldn't be a lie, but people would brag on God rather than brag on everything else. Well, they did. The insight was he saw what other people didn't see. And then you know what? All of a sudden, he started talking. See, he saw Jesus standing. And all of a sudden, he said, I see the Son of God standing. What? He wasn't talking to Jesus when he was saying that. Who was he talking to? He was talking to everybody else that was around him. You know what he was doing? What he saw helped him. But what he said helped them. That's right. Amen, bro. You know the reason why you ain't going to help anybody else? Because they see him. If we can leave here today, say, I seen Jesus. Y'all, I seen God, how I lifted up. You'll go to that gas station and you say, hey, let me tell you about somebody that can turn your sorrows into a shout. Let me tell somebody uh, that can turn your problems right side up. Let me tell you about somebody that can save your marriage. Let me tell you about somebody. You know why? Because you're telling somebody what you've already seen. When's the last time you've been able to tell somebody about something God's done to you? When's the last time you was able to tell somebody about prayer that you prayed that God answered, but you knew it was because you prayed it. When's the last time, let me ask you this, if we was to have a testimony service and say, I want you to stand up and brag on the Lord the prayer that He's answered for you. Could you stand up and pray? Could you, could you stand up and brag on something? I'm, I'm, hey, I'm not preaching, listen, I don't want to preach you to the house, I want to preach you to the altar. You know why? Because that means we're growing. I have to say, oh man. When's the last time God answered one of your prayers? Let me just say this. God still answers prayers. Amen. Amen. God still. Listen, it's God's will that did not any should perish. Let me say this. When's the last time you said, I pray that they'd be saved. You know what? They got saved. You know what, Steve? He was able to talk about something he was seeing. There was the inside. He was seeing things other people wasn't seeing. I'm done. Some of y'all already done. I'm done. Listen to me. When he knelt down, you know what he did when he knelt down? See, when somebody comes against you, but being somebody does you wrong, you got two choices on how you can respond to that. You can either let what they do to you knock you out. Or rather, you can let that drive you in your knees. You know what Stephen did? He knelt down. And this is what he prayed. You hear me now? This is what he prayed. He talked about his little man. Or he talked about his Lord received my spirit. He's talking to the Lord. And then verse number six, he says this. And he said this, Lord, I pray that you lay it not to their charge. You know what he did? 
He prayed Calvary's prayer. Then I remember somebody else on the cross. I said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what Stephen's doing? Stephen's praying Calvary's prayer. You hear me, hear me well. He never would have been able to pray Calvary's prayer had he been knocked down rather than kneeling. But when he knelt down, he said, Father, receive my spirit. And all of a sudden, he starts interceding for all those that had stoned him, beaten him, mocked him, made fun of him, didn't want to listen to him. And this is what he said. Lord, play it not to their charge. I don't know about y'all. That prayer is not a good prayer. You realize when you're knocked down, your kidneys get bitter. But when you kneel down, you don't get bitter, you get better. See, he didn't get better. Some of you might not be here this morning to be better. The reason why you can't be full of the Spirit of God because you're full of bitterness. You can't do what God wants you to do because you're full of bitterness. One man said it like this. He said, bitterness is you when you're bitter at somebody else. It's you drinking the poison hoping that it kills the other person. The reality is it's killing you. You know, let me tell you how bad you're hurting the person that you're bitter toward. They probably don't even know you're bitter toward. But it's killing you. It's killing your walk with God. It's killing your marriage. Your children see how bitter you are. Your poor co-workers see how bitter you are. You say, preacher, if you just knew what they've done to me, can I say with all due respect? You can't handle what they do to you. But you can't handle how you respond. He said this, we don't, we, we don't have forgiveness if we don't forgive. That's right. Are you bitter this morning? Maybe it's because you're bitter because you got knocked down rather than kneeling down. I don't know about y'all this morning, but I don't want to get bitter. I want to get better. How do we keep from getting better today? Just kneel down. Pray about it rather than getting knocked down. Are you being knocked down this morning or are you kneeling down? Choice is yours based off what you do. Forgive me if you could, brother. You come to the piano this morning. Everybody's standing around the house of God this morning. I preach what the Lord's placed on my heart. I can leave here this morning knowing that I minded God. I know it's been stern. I know it's been hard. But I've said everything I said this morning, not because I don't love you, but rather because I do love you. Because I'm seeing a lot of people in this hour that's getting knocked out rather than seeing them kneel down. You say this, we got things that's fixing to come against the church. Now I ain't talking about just Mount Perry. I'm talking about the church as a whole. I believe this country is headed for persecution like we ain't ever seen in our lifetime. And it's going to cause God's people to do either two things. Either it's going to knock us out or it's going to drive us to our knees. Can I tell you this morning, the reason why it drove him to his knees, he's already on his knees. You know how you keep from falling? You know how you keep from falling? Go ahead and fall. Thank you with me, preacher. If I was to kneel down,